Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is April 22nd, 2022, and our first story. Marjorie Taylor Greene is testifying before an administrative judge as to whether or not she engaged in insurrection and is ineligible for re-election. The republic is crumbling as Democrats are trying to disqualify people from government instead of winning elections. In our next story, Barack Obama is calling for more censorship around the time that Elon Musk is set to take over Twitter. And in our last story, several food processing plants have caught fire or been damaged, and now there are weird plane crashes affecting them as well. The food shortage seems to be on its way here, so please get ready. If you like this show, give us a good review, leave us five stars, it's really important, and share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. I don't see how the Republic can survive the current state of politics. I've long talked about some kind of cold civil war or the escalation into some kind of kinetic civil war, and I feel like we are watching the Republic be ripped to shreds. Perhaps it's my youthful naivete. Perhaps there are many people who are older than me who have seen things that are worse than this. But right now, Marjorie Taylor Greene is testifying in a trial to determine whether or not she should be disqualified from government. What did she do? Called for protests, supported protests, challenged the establishment. But she's being accused of insurrection. And the trial so far is laughable. They played a clip of her saying, we should go to D.C. and flood the buildings and protest peacefully, blah, blah, blah. I hope it doesn't come to violence, something to that effect. And then Marjorie Taylor Greene says, what year is that from? And the, uh, the, the man questioning, the loyal lawyer questioning says, I don't know. And she goes, 2019, I believe, when we came and protested peacefully. It's fascinating that we have seen the left storm buildings, bang on doors and block doors, take over the city in mass protest, but not a single insurrection trial have we had for these people. Currently, the January 6th committee is seeking to upend the political rivals of the establishment uniparty, principally the Democrats, but many Republicans as well. And the goal is, in my opinion, after this trial run, to see if they can disqualify Donald Trump on the same grounds. They're going to keep slinging mud until something sticks. This country cannot survive this level of political civil war. 
We are no longer at the point where we are simply arguing about whether or not one party would be better than the other. We have devolved beyond even the failures of the two-party system. And now, instead of having elections, it's simply, I'm going to make things up that I can justify as to why you should be disqualified from government. They tried it with Madison Cawthorn and failed. Now they're trying it with Marjorie Taylor Greene. It, se- it seems to only get worse. The Democrats know they are going to be crushed in November. It's possible things change, and that doesn't happen. But I think all signs point to a Republican sweeping victory. Now, that's no guarantee that anything's going to change. And I don't think the establishment uniparty cares too much about what comes in November because you know, Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham are uniparty shills. They're not going to do anything. They're going to say, slow down there, Democrats, and then do nothing. But if more people like Marjorie Taylor Greene get elected, ooh, the system will be upset. Marjorie Taylor Greene came on my show, Timcast IRL, on more than one occasion, and she was absolutely lovely. You may disagree with her opinions. I don't think I agree with her on everything. I think we, we disagreed on certain points. I think I challenged her on some things. But there's one thing I really like. When she said she went to Congress and forced these people to do their jobs. Because right now, they don't even vote on these bills. They show up, there's like 10 people, and some random guy bangs a gavel, and then everyone's like, whatever. It's as if Congress isn't even functioning. It's one big theater performance. But Marjorie Taylor Greene is making people actually go and vote. Now, they can't have that and they have to remove her, but they're not going to defeat her in an election because her county loves her, her district. So what do they do? Disqualification through lawfare. This is dangerous territory, my friends. Of course, political tribalism has reached such a level of absurdity. There's no point in even arguing with these people on the left anymore because they'll just make things up. I don't know where that leaves us other than they are no longer trying to even pretend to be a democracy. They say, we're a democracy, we're a democracy. Okay, we're a constitutional republic with democratic elections. But they say, our democracy is in danger. Yes, when you use the law to strike down at the core of our institutions, when you infiltrate and destroy in an attempt to rebuild into your likeness. Say what you want about whoever you want. I don't care. Talk about political opinions. I don't care. If it's come to the point where let's say you're a Democrat right now and you think Marjorie Taylor Greene should be disqualified. Sure. Do you think Republicans are just going to be like, we really like Marjorie Taylor Greene, but you're right, Democrats. You didn't win an election. You just disqualified her. You think they'll accept that? The only outcome to an escalation of politics to this degree is going to be violence and chaos. And that's why we need civility and peace. We need them to say, you have to live with the likes of political opponents you don't like. But here we go, baby. Let's read the news. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member to help support our work. If you believe in the mission of building culture, reporting the news, and you'd like to help us bring on more reporters, which we are currently looking at two more people who are going to be bringing on then please become a member at TimCast.com to support us. You will also get access to exclusive members-only segments of the TimCast IRL podcast. Not so family-friendly, uncensored, about half an hour long, Monday through Thursday at 8 p.m. We need your support to continue. We greatly appreciate those who can. Let's read the first story from the Wall Street Journal. Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene to testify in lawsuit seeking to bar her from re-election. uh, They say the freshman congresswoman from Georgia has denied the accusation 
that she engaged in insurrection, saying that political opponents are seeking to kick her off the May 24 primary ballot for participating in the ordinary process of objecting to the Electoral College results on January 6. Let's pause. They've already done it to, to Robbie Starbuck in, uh, in Nashville, in Tennessee. The Republicans are claiming that somebody who's been a Republican his whole life is not a Republican, so they can remove him from the primary. And they did. The system is corrupt. The Republican Party is corrupt. And when people step up and say, I'll play by your rules, I'll play your game, they get the boot because the system is corrupt. Mrs. Green's testimony before an administrative law judge at the Office of State Administrative Hearings is part of a lawsuit filed by a group of voters with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Mrs. Green sued to stop the voters' complaint from proceeding. A federal judge earlier this week said that the legal challenge could go forward, clearing the way for the Friday hearing. The voters in their lawsuit say that Miss Green has a well-documented history of advocating violence and that her rhetoric and actions before and after January 6th, assault on the Capitol, trigger application of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. A provision of the amendment says that members of Congress who have sworn to support the Constitution can't serve as representative or senators if they shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion. This is why they've been lying the whole time. It's why the media has been screaming insurrection this whole time, specifically because Democratic strategists wanted to stab through the heart our institutions because they know they can't win because they know Donald Trump will get reelected. And the only thing they can do is burn it all to the ground. Calling for protest is not insurrection. Engaging in violent acts directly and burning things down and smashing things, you could argue is. And as for those who were seeking to upend the Electoral College process, these were violent rioters. But the issue is the FBI said there was no plan. Now, we may see that change because there have been charges of seditious conspiracy. Perhaps some of these people may have insurrected against the government. There's still a serious challenge as to the legal qualifications for insurrection. And at the very least, Marjorie Taylor Greene was not involved in that. By all means, the people who are violent should go to prison. And the bumbling uh, MAGA uh, Mimas who milled about confused and were led into the building, it's an entirely different story. Those people, I don't see you being able to convict of a crime. Those who engaged in violence or willfully and, are, and, and you know, trespass and broke barriers, that I get. Mrs. Green's lawyer, James Bopp Jr. So the congresswoman would appear at Friday's hearing. Well, here we are. Newsweek with the live blog, Marjorie Taylor Greene testimony. Greene says she called for peaceful protest. You know why I don't buy the Marjorie Taylor Greene violent insurrection stuff? Because violence doesn't work. Violence is what they want because they can weaponize it. They needed Marjorie Taylor Greene to call for violence, but she's consistently called for peaceful protest. I will tell you this right now, and I'll say it a million times. Violence doesn't work in today's day and age. What it does is it allows the government to justify more extreme actions and surveillance, and it turns the public against you. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. 
That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. We have seen it over and over again, especially with Black Lives Matter. Their support plummeted because of the violence. But they were, it's amazing how popular Black Lives Matter had become until they rioted for George Floyd. And then their, their, their popularity dropped lower at the end of the year than it was the beginning, beginning of the year. And now it's been consistently low. They could have just remained peaceful. And when you're peaceful, you say, please help us. They're attacking us. We don't want violence. And regular people are going to say, I agree. Instead, they got violent. People died. And now people are upset about it. Newsweek reports, Green says prosecutor has as many conspiracy theories as QAnon. So there's many, many updates here. There's a lunch break. Green says she did not plan to attend January 6th. I never mean anything for violence, Green says. They keep trying to pull up these things. Let's see if she can. uh, Green says she called for a peaceful protest on January 6th, had no knowledge of planned violence. So one of the more interesting moments in this was when I, I mentioned this earlier, they played a video clip of her saying, go to D.C., protest, flood the Capitol, go in those buildings. And I'm hearing that. I'm going like, whoa, whoa. Did she really tell people to enter the Capitol? CNN article? And then she says to the guy, the, the, the uh, um, I suppose this would be, I don't know, it's an administrative hearing. So I guess the lawyer arguing against her. What year was that? And he says, I, I don't know. And she goes, 2019, I believe. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene is correct. These buildings are public and typically you can just go inside them. It doesn't mean to go in them when there's official proceedings going on and you're not allowed in, but typically you can. And back then they did and it was fine. Occupy Wall Street's done it. I remember during Occupy Wall Street, we all went to I can't remember, the Hart Building or one of these Senate buildings. I think both. You just walk in. They're public and people are like, you know, you can just come into these buildings, right? And I was like, really? And you can walk right into the office of members of Congress. Marjorie Taylor Greene had a successful peaceful protest. Well, now the name of the game is to lie, cheat, and steal, to manipulate, and I love it. Here we go. Vice says, Marjorie Taylor Greene to January 6th. I don't know her. I don't remember Greene testified repeatedly in response to questions about the Capitol riot. All right, let's play a game for all of you to to understand what they're trying to do right now. And they do this all the time. My friends, um, six months ago, You tweeted something about insurrection. Can you tell me what you said? No, of course not. Um, You, sir, you tweeted, you said we should all go out into the streets and demand justice and fair representation. Now, did you say that? Are you kidding? I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday morning. All right. That's a joke. It's a trope. I actually can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday morning. But the point is, how are we supposed to remember every single thing we say at all times, all the time? No, look, we are not savants with with, you know, what is it? What is it called? There are these people who have this thing. Perfect recall. 
where they can remember like anything at any point. So they ask her like, did you say this, that or otherwise? And Marjorie's like, I, maybe. I mean, it sounds like something I'd say, but I don't know. And then they're like, we want a yes or no answer. That's the most amazing thing. They were like, they read a quote. Did you say that? And she's like, I was talking about Nancy. No, nope, no speeches. Yes, no, or I don't know. And then she was like, what? How am I supposed to answer this? You take a quote out of context. And then before I get a chance to explain anything, you're like, no, you could only say yes or no. I'll tell you this. I don't know. That's, 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 that's the best thing you can say. And some of these things are really funny because they're like, did you, they're like, did you believe that this, that, or otherwise should happen? It's just like, no, like you're not putting opinions in my mouth. <clears throat> I'm not letting you walk me in through any of this weird context. I hate watching trials when they do this. Because it's like, if you ask me anything about sentiment, I'm going to say no. And then if you ask me something specific, you know, Tim, do you enjoy eating Giordano's deep dish pizza? No, I don't. You don't? No, I, I, I don't. But you recently purchased some and cooked some. Yeah, because everybody else really likes it. You know, it's good pizza, but I feel really guilty because it's, an, it's kind of bad for you. So I, I don't really enjoy it. You see, you can say it any way you want. If you know how to engage in arguments and answers, you could ask me, do you like eating pizza? And the answer is no. We have two wills within us. This is a conversation we had with Michael Knowles and Jeremy Bourne of The Daily Wire. One that says, oh, that pizza is really delicious. And you would absolutely enjoy to take that bite of pepperoni pizza. Oh, man, stuffed crust. But do you enjoy it? Well, my other will says, dude, eating all of that starch, sugar, sauce, you're going to regret it. I really don't enjoy it. Man, that first bite is great. But then afterwards, you really regret it, don't you? I've been, I've been doing really, really well with the low carb stuff. So I would not enjoy it. My point is, when it comes to these questions, you can basically say anything if it's about your feelings or opinions. Do you think that Joe Biden is a traitor? No. But didn't you say that what he did was treason? Yes. Doesn't that mean you think he's a traitor? No, it means I think what he did was treason. That's it. I don't know how you would then take that and apply it to him being a traitor, what the legal qualifications of that would be. You can really just say anything. The question needs to be around issues of fact. And the fact is there's nothing. They have nothing. They're desperately trying to get rid of Marjorie Taylor Greene because they can't win. There's a lot to criticize Marjorie Taylor Greene for. But the reality is there's a lot to criticize everyone for. They just won't win. Right now, the generic ballot, the polling for Congress has Republicans at 45 to Democrats 42.7 because and it, and it flipped right around here. Look at this back in November. So around the end of November, it flipped in favor of Republicans because of people like me and probably people like you. Check this out. A red wave may be coming to Maine. Really? That's kind of amazing. So this is just from Bangor, Bangor Daily News from the other day. A red wave. All right. The Hill reports, do Democrats really understand why that red wave is coming? I don't think they know or care because their only option politically is to disqualify people. Here we go from the intelligence. Our Nevada Democrats could lose it all in 2022. Here we go. And here's the end game. The end game is here from Newsweek. Donald Trump 2024 run threatened if Marjorie Taylor Greene axed from ballot. Yo, if Marjorie Taylor Greene is removed from the ballot, this is this country is going to erupt. It is going to be insane. That I, I mean, no Republican is going to take anything seriously at this point. 
They're going to call it a kangaroo Congress. Newsweek reports. Ron Fine, a lawyer seeking to disqualify Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene from running for re-election, blah, 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 argued Thursday that if his effort is successful, it would set a precedent for former President Donald Trump if he decides to launch another campaign. His comments came just a day before Green appeared before a state administrative law judge on Friday for a hearing in that proceeding, which she has denounced as a scam. I I genuinely believe the judge is going to be like, get out of my courtroom. There's already been so many insane objections. And the judge keeps telling this this uh, this lawyer, I think it might be Ron Fine, like, what are you doing? Why are you asking this? Why are you presenting things from years ago? Do you have evidence she engaged in any action? Your Honor, Your Honor, it, it, it plays to the context of shut up. Speaking on MSNBC on Thursday, Fine, the legal director for, of Free Speech for People, nonpartisan nonprofit legal advocacy organization that is representing the Georgia voters in the case against Green, said that if the judge overseeing the case fairly and impartially applies the facts in the law, then he'll agree with us that Marjorie Taylor Green is disqualified for public office because of her aiding and uh, aiding and facilitating the January 6th insurrection. But if he doesn't, then we are prepared to appeal and we'll take it all the way. The MSNBC host then asked fine. And if it does end up going your way, do you think that sets a precedent for other members of Congress that you might have in your sights who may have played similar roles, if not more egregious ones? Absolutely. If the judge agrees with us that Marjorie Taylor Greene is disqualified, then that sets a precedent not only for other members of Congress, but also if he chooses to run for office in 2024, again, in 2024, Donald Trump. Trump was impeached by the U.S. House last year in connection with the Capitol riot. In a statement on Thursday about the legal challenge against Green, Trump blasted Republican leaders in Georgia, blaming them in part for the situation. The governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, perhaps in collusion with radical left Democrats, have allowed a horrible thing to happen to a very popular Republican, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, he said. She is now going through hell in her attempt to unseat her. She uh, Just more of an election mess in Georgia. I agree with that. The Democrats can't win. So they just seek to nuke the candidates. Free Speech for People argues that Green helped facilitate the insurrection on January 6th. Specifically, the evidence shows that she either helped to plan the attack on January 6th or alternatively helped to plan the pre-attack demonstration and or march on the Capitol with knowledge that it was substantially likely to lead to the attack and otherwise voluntarily aided the insurrection. It's just absolutely insane to be real. The group contends she is disqualified based on the provisions of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Now, there's something interesting about this argument is that apparently there was some kind of amnesty act that effectively nullified this. And that's why it didn't apply to to Madison Cawthorn either. After a judge ruled money, the challenge against her could move forward. Green said she did nothing wrong. I don't care what the lawsuit says. I did nothing wrong. And this is a scam. Okay, so I'm not entertaining this. No Republican member, no one in Trump's administration or President Trump participated in any riot or anything to do with it. We were completely shocked, she added during the interview. Newsweek has reached out to Trump and Green's office for comment. Well, good old AOC's chiming in. AOC says January 6th riot was a trial run and claims they're going to come back if Republicans retake the House in the midterm elections. What? So you, you, what? It, just the lies. I'm so exhausted. Ocasio-Cortez is saying if Republicans win the House, they'll revolt. Why? They won. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. There's no reason for people to storm the gates if they're handed the keys to the gates. What an absolutely insane thing to say. Well, let's get a little dark on you, I guess. 
We have this tweet from Jesse Kelly. He says, y'all do understand the Constitution is null and void, right? You get that? A Constitution is just a contract. Once one side has decided to break the contract, it just becomes a useless piece of paper. You're abiding by terms dismissed by the enemy. And our good friend Michael Malice then posts three black flags. I like the Constitution a whole lot. But Jesse Kelly makes a point. I don't know if I would agree all the way. But the issue is the Constitution is basically toilet paper at this point. I got a I got. Oh, what was it? Media Matters got mad at me. Because I said the Second Amendment protects your right to keep nuclear weapons and biological weapons. And I'm right. It's a fact. I was talking to uh, Al, uh, Colonel Alan West. And I was like, Fallon should get their guns back. And he's like, I disagree. And I'm like, am I more gun rights than, you know, some of these conservatives? I think so, yes. Fair point. Many said you can lose your rights through due process. That's fair. Okay. If you commit a violent crime and then we say you can't have weapons anymore. All right. But I think there needs to be a limitation. It can't just be that if you've ever committed a crime, you can never have it because they're like people who commit tax crimes. It's like, now you can't have a gun. And I'm like, dude, it's a white collar crime. It was a felony, but come on, that should be changed. But the Second Amendment says the right to keep and bear arms, sh- uh, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Arms. Okay, let's go back in time. Was a cannon arms? Yes. If you had a merchant vessel that was armed, it had cannons. And typically people in the colonies had the same weapons that the governments had. The the idea was regular people needed to be able to fend off threats, both foreign and domestic. So they needed to be armed. One of the ideas is that the U.S. wasn't this major power that it is today with massive stockpiles of weapons. And so they were like, everybody needs to have a weapon. So if, if if the militia is required, you know, we got a militia. But at what point did we decide to amend the Constitution to say, Technological advancements are not included in this. I remember this old commercial where this guy runs into an office screaming and he fires a um, muzzle loaded musket and everyone screams and runs. And then he begins pouring powder in, putting a ball in and stuffing it. And it's like, this is what our founding fathers expected. No, the founding fathers understood the power of weapons. They knew that you could have multiple rifles. They would carry more than one with multiple shots for that reason, so they could shoot in rapid succession. And they understand people had flintlock pistols, and it's just a stupid argument. There were, um, there, there were, what, what was it? Since the 1300s, there were multi-barrel, multi-armed guns. Technology advances. And the Second Amendment didn't fundamentally change until around, like, the industrialization of warfare. Now, all of a sudden, we can't have nukes. Okay, but why? I mean, serious question. Why not? Legitimate question. I think it's fair to point out most people would probably agree a regular person should not have a nuke, a private individual. But that requires an amendment to the Constitution. The reality is cultural enforcement is more powerful than a Constitution, and the Constitution is null and void. And I say that because free speech has already been eroded to the point where it's not in public discourse. The right to keep and bear arms has been infringed so many times that you don't have it. I mean, let's be real. The right to keep and bear arms, sure, sometime, somewhere, but like in New Jersey, you literally can't. In Maryland, you literally can't. In New York, you literally can't. They're like, but you can get a permit. The Constitution is my permit. Apparently, the right to keep and bear arms has been bear arms has been infringed. So what can I say of the Constitution? Only that it is only as strong as the cultural enforcement. And because of the way we've been living and the things we've chosen to do, we have lost those rights. 
Biden announces another $800 million in military aid to Ukraine. That's right. They're going to dump more and more money into foreign countries while the people of the United States are suffering. This is where we're at, man. We're at a whole new level of insanity. I'm going to show you this clip from Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan on why liberals supported Antifa's violent tactics. Antifa tried to literally fight MMA fighter Mark Shields. It didn't end well. I I found that one to be uh, pretty funny. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Antiva roamed around the streets, smashing things and destroying things. And the country was deeply hurt by it. And for that, we are seeing a surge in Republican pro-Republican sentiment. You know, Joe talks about it. This regular MMA guy, this regular guy's an MMA fighter, is on his show and he's talking about how he started getting into politics. He saw these, these Antifa guys just beating somebody up. And when he pulled them off, they yelled that he was a fascist, tried to fight him. And he, let's just say, finished that fight very quickly. And then he was like, all of a sudden they backed off from him. He was just trying to break up a fight and that got him into politics. It is Antifa. It is Black Lives Matter that is driving regular people into the hands of the Republican Party, and the Republican Party is as dirty as they come. Some people have chosen to run as Republicans, but you take a look at what they're doing to Marjorie Taylor Greene, and I can tell you the system is broken. It is crooked. And look at what they did to Robbie Starbuck. They are disqualifying populist right-wing people. This is going to, it's not going to end well for these, these psychopaths. Over at Civics, I love pulling up this, um, this metric, this, uh, this data point that among, I believe, 18 to 34-year-olds, when asked which party supports you the most, or which, which, par- which, which party do you think actually has your best interests, the first is Democrat at like 40, and then the next is neither. The Republicans have lost youth. As you get older, Republican goes up, and Democrat goes up as well. The Republicans have, have lost young people. Young people want Robbie Starbuck. Young people want Marjorie Taylor Greene. Young people don't want Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy. But the GOP is just adamant on having those people in power. So what'll happen? You know, I I, I genuinely believe with these polling metrics, we're going to see the rise of a third party or the dramatic change in the party. If the Republican Party will not allow a peaceful uh, revolution within the ranks, then they will have to contend with losing forever. But maybe that's what they're happy about. The Republicans wanted, the establishment wanted Trump to lose. We got new audio where Kevin McCarthy is apparently saying he was going to tell Trump to resign. The Republicans would rather lose, have Democrats retain power, than see populists gain a foothold. So here we are. Do Democrats really understand why that red wave is coming? Does it really matter? I think the red wave will come. But we're already seeing such dirty practices that Marjorie Taylor Greene could be disqualified. Robbie Starbuck has already been removed because he would have won. It's funny, Donald Trump endorsed somebody else and everyone's like, dude, Robbie's the guy. But now he's not even on the ballot and it's, and it's totally BS reasons. They tried doing this thing where they were like, you can't run unless you've been living here for a certain amount of time. And then when Robbie was like, turns out I have been, they went, oh man, then say he's not a Republican.
It's just so crooked, man. If you guys live in Nashville or Tennessee or whatever, y'all need to be getting active. You need to be protesting peacefully, calling up the GOP, demanding resignations. And I will tell you this. You know what I'd do? I, uh, uh, I would boycott. In fact, this one I have to think about. But something to think about is I'm a moderate. First time I voted t- full ticket Republican was 2020. If they do not allow Robbie Starbuck on the primary, the Republican Party can shove it. You know what that means? People are going to be like, dude, 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 but you really want Democrats to win? You know what? Let me put it this way. If I have the choice between Democrats who are actively burning things down or Republicans who sit back and watch as they burn it down, I don't really see a difference. At least the accelerationists will be happy. I'm not a, I, I, I don't like those concepts. But if the Democrats win, you're going to get a whole lot of people outraged, and maybe then they will make these changes. But I don't see why I should participate and vote for anyone in the Republican Party, why a moderate should, if we can see how corrupt they are in Nashville. I suppose the Republican Party is different in all different parts of of, of the country. But you know, in West Virginia, where I'll be voting, and where uh, I've worked with some local groups on... um, well, I've talked to some local groups about cultural issues related to politics. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to think this one through. Comment below, because maybe it's not a good idea. But I would like to see the elected representatives in West Virginia demand that Tennessee, the Tennessee GOP not bar Robbie Starbuck. I demand it. And um, maybe, maybe I'll put some money into messaging It's my free speech rights to buy billboards, and maybe I'll put up billboards just saying the Tennessee Republican Party is corrupt. Reinstate Robbie Starbuck. Robbie's a good dude. He he, he's worked all over. He's a Republican. He he believes in America first, populist ideas, and they're blocking him because the Republicans are corrupt. I will not put corrupt people in power. I have always said for me, it is not about voting for the lesser of two evils. It is voting for, for what's right. You want to earn my vote in West Virginia, then you better be standing up and pushing back against what they're doing to Marjorie Taylor Greene and Robbie Starbuck. Otherwise, mark my words, I will put everything into messaging to make something better than the Republican Party. I've never been a fan of them in the first place. It is only since the rise of populists, fairly moderate individuals, that I've been considering voting for Republicans that I have. But if this is the game they're going to play, I am content to sit back and say, yo, leave me out of it. And I would encourage many people to do the exact same thing. Because you know what we have to lose? If we all stand up and tell these corrupt pieces of garbage, no, you will not get our votes and you deserve to lose. Maybe then they'll have no choice. Or maybe this. They won't put Robbie Starbuck on the ballot. If that remains true, then I will remain hell-bent on making sure he wins as an independent. Or whatever we have to do. I do not like the Republican Party. I despise the Republican Party. But so far for now, it's better than the Democrats because some of, many of these people are populists. Marjorie Taylor Greene, for as much as we don't agree on policy issues, to a certain degree, I love that she's actually getting in there and making people do their jobs. I want more people to do it. And so for me to come out here and say, guys, we need to vote in the primaries. And then you watch in Tennessee, they say, yeah, but we're going to disqualify your guy. Okay. So, so be it. 
I will do whatever I can through whatever legal means to make sure that if they don't allow Robbie on that ballot, we see him win as an independent and we spit figuratively on the Republican Party's ethos, emblem or idea. Good. Andrew Yang launched the forward party. I made a large contribution to the forward party. I like what Andrew Yang says. I don't trust him all that much, but I'm willing to see something alternative emerge. And right now I am just sick of the absolute corruption. So I like Ron Paul. Again, I really did not agree with Ron Paul on so much. I ended up voting for Obama in 2008, as much as the left tries to claim, no, you didn't. You voted for Ron Paul. No, I didn't. I voted for Barack Obama. And I'll tell you exactly where. I'm pretty sure it was at a police precinct near 35th and Halstead near uh, um, Comiskey Field, now known as U.S. Cell. Actually, it was U.S. Cellular Field, I think. Now it's like guaranteed like low rates or something. I don't know. That's where I voted. And I voted for Obama. And I'm pretty sure I didn't vote down ballot. I went in there and I was like, Obama. And I wasn't sure. I had heard so much about Ron Paul, but Ron Paul wasn't uh, uh, the candidate. And I was like, Obama seems different. Now I look back on it. It was a big mistake. I'm just tired of all the corruption. It is time for it to change. Robbie, best of luck. Marjorie Taylor Greene, best of luck. Let us peacefully and through the democratic process, take back this country for the American people. And if the GOP wants to play dirty games, then we will stand and say no. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Twitter is a garbage platform primarily used by garbage people, and that includes myself. Okay, I'm, I'm kidding. It's not entirely full of garbage people, but there are a lot of bots, spam, activists, and just garbled nonsense as desperate and pathetic people try to gain some kind of notoriety. The platform needs help. Now, with Elon Musk's vision, we may see more of the stupid people saying stupid things, but I accept that because the current iteration is mostly just activist spam bots, as, as far as I can tell. Even on the left, when you respond to them like, you're a bot, I don't care. All right, well, I'm verified, so I'm not a bot. But I would like to see other people be verified as well, and that's part of Elon Musk's plan. That if you are signed up for Twitter Blue, we'll verify you, and then we'll start dealing with the bots and the spam. I think people who want to remain anonymous should be allowed to remain anonymous, but I think if Elon can clean up the bots, we're in for a better time. We need people like Alex Jones back. We do. You may not like the guy. He didn't do anything illegal. You may not like Donald Trump, the former president, but he did not do anything illegal. Okay, left. Fine. In relation to Twitter, you want to argue about anything else and argue criminality? We'll have those arguments. But when it comes to Twitter, Donald Trump broke no laws. He should be back on the platform. As Elon Musk makes his move announcing a shell company. This is really interesting. We have this story from Business Insider. Elon Musk has created three holding companies in his attempt to buy Twitter. Hmm. I don't know if those are directly related to his attempt to buy Twitter, but it's happening. And while Elon Musk is preparing this dramatic change for the better, along comes a spider. Barack Obama calls for more government oversight of social media. Perfect timing, good sir. The moment that the Democratic far left establishment, whatever you want to call it, begins to shudder as someone threatens their lies and their bias machine. Obama comes out and says, oh, you know, we need to uh, regulate. I'm uh, Barack Obama and we should regulate social media. 
Great. Perfect timing, good sir. Where were you five years ago? I mean, honestly, I'm sure many of the people on the left would be arguing about the same thing. Where were you in 2015 or 16 when y'all weren't paying attention to what was happening on the internet? You see, even then, good things were happening. I mean, the internet was effectively populist. Now, conservatives say it was conservative. I think it was populist. You take a look at Reddit dominated by the Donald. You take a look at Twitter with these prominent personalities gaining traction, challenging the establishment narrative. You see, they didn't know what they were dealing with. But it's funny because Barack Obama, it is his, his presidential victory. Part of the credit is, uh, goes to Facebook. I know some of the people who worked on this campaign and they said this was back in 2008 or whatever. Facebook was not that prominent, but they were like, you can reach young people using this platform. And it worked. They liked it. They thought it would help them. And then Donald Trump won. After that, they went nuts and destroyed the fun of the Internet. Elon Musk says he will bring it back. I agree. That would be a good thing. Well, and as I stated, along comes a spider from TimCast.com. Former President Obama calls for more government oversight of social media. Obama said the Internet and social media are turbocharging some of humanity's worst impulses. Now, to clarify, Obama didn't come out directly and say we need to uh, censor conservatives. Because that wouldn't work. That would create a backlash. What he said is that there's too much of the, the worst parts of human nature, and we should uh, regulate this. Yeah. My friends, let me tell you how much I love the desperation here. When you take a look at finance and capital, what are they saying? Elon Musk is right. The platform is in shambles. Fix it. Bring that money back to the table. What are the institutional left Democrats saying? It's a lowball offer. It's not enough money. Twitter's worth so much more. No, it isn't. Twitter is a garbage platform full of trash. If Elon Musk can clean it up, he might actually make it worth some money, and I think he will. You know, I'll put it this way. You want to talk about making money? How about the fact that they banned Alex Jones and then end up losing millions of users? Here's the best part. The logic is, yes, but will Wheaton threaten to quit Twitter unless we banned Alex Jones? First of all, I don't know how many people actually like Will Wheaton. Even the left hates him. But this was the big narrative that if Alex Jones allowed to stay on the platform, the left would boycott. Nobody would want to be here. Not true. It's a lie. Will Wheaton still left the platform, even though they banned Alex Jones. He ain't coming back. Or I don't know, maybe he came back, whatever. I don't think anybody pays attention to that guy. The point is, there is no alternative. Mastodon doesn't work. Okay, Mastodon was the left wing alternative and people don't use it. Gab, Gab's actually pretty great, but user base wise, it is nothing compared to Twitter. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to either Mastodon or Gab. I think they've both done good things, but people want to be where people are. You fish where the fish are. That means Twitter. That means if you want to post something, the community is on Twitter, which means this is the space. Now, I do like other platforms. I like Minds.com because it's just... It really isn't as nasty as, as, as so, so, much, so many other platforms. But let's read what um, our good friend Barack Obama had to say. On Thursday, while giving a speech about disinformation at Stanford University, Obama said that the Internet and social media were turbocharging some of humanity's worst impulses. He said he understood not all of the negative impacts were from bad intentions, but rather the result of billions of people plugged into a constant stream of information every day. Quote, not all problems we're seeing now are inevitable byproduct are an inevitable byproduct of this new technology. They're also the result of very specific choices made by the companies that have come to dominate the internet generally and social media platforms in particular. Now, Mr. Mr. President, I agree. 
I absolutely agree that choices are being made by these big, big platforms to make things worse. Why? Antifa posts death threats and Twitter does nothing about it. Okay, well, I can agree here. Maybe we should have more regulation in a certain sense. But Obama is not saying free speech. No, he's saying quite the opposite. He noted that most social media was designed to cause people to stay online longer and driven by technology such as AI that did not seek the best results for a person's well-being. I agree with that. The only issue, you can't solve for that problem. I, I, look, let me, let me talk to you guys about YouTube. YouTube in the early days, I was talking to, well, early-ish days, since 2013, and I was talking to someone I know who was high up at YouTube, because I know has a lot of people who work at Google. Well, I know a handful. I actually helped consult on some of the live streaming stuff. And they said they wanted to compete with Netflix. YouTube had, at the time, a lot of short videos and funny videos, and there was a viral element to it. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't as big. I mean, it was big. But really, it was like people were sharing the videos on other platforms. YouTube said, we want people on our platform. Here's what we noticed. People have started watching Netflix. It used to be that people would online, online video was YouTube. Netflix came out and YouTube was like, how do we compete with that? They tried going to Vice. You know, this is, this is like the early days of Netflix starting up streaming because Vice was making longer documentary and they were getting millions of views. But as Netflix and other streaming services came out, people are like, I'd rather watch higher quality content. The Simpsons and Family Guy. Now, I'm not saying those are the best shows in the world, but a 20 minute show, we like The Simpsons, we like Family Guy, we'll watch it online, not on YouTube. So YouTube decided what we're going to do is we are going to prioritize through the algorithm content that is at least 10 minutes long and has a high retention rate. That way, we'll get more Game of Thrones. We'll get more Family Guy. What did they get instead? They ended up getting hyperpartisan politics, which they did not plan for. Now, of course, you might argue I'm fine with that. that it actually is good content. You yeah, know, no, sure, sure, for sure. Like this channel is a result of that. People turn the, th these videos on, they listen for the whole thing, and then they leave. And when it's in a playlist, they listen more. Video game content became particularly prominent right away. Watching someone play a video game for a half an hour worked, but that's not what YouTube wanted. They were like, yeah, PewDiePie's great, but he's not Game of Thrones. We wanted Game of Thrones. They ended up creating a wave of politics where people were willing to listen to conversations or vodcasts, video podcasts. The point is, YouTube thought they were going to get TV shows. They didn't get it. When Barack Obama says, we need to, you know, these choices they made, we need to regulate for that. You don't get it, bro. You don't know where that path will lead you. You like YouTube specifically said, okay, crank up 10 minute videos, crank up high retention rate, because that's what we see with TV shows. We should see it here on YouTube now. And instead they got politics and vodcasting. You saw a wave of, of political videos because they were working in the algorithm. If YouTube tomorrow decided that this kind of content didn't work, they'd get rid of it and it would be gone. But they're making money, so they'll take what they can get. In fact, I think YouTube particularly loves Timcast IRL. I, I really do mean it. I think it's because it is, while Timcast IRL, if, if, if you guys don't watch, this is our nightly live talk show, conversational show. It's, it's a lot of similar subjects, but we have guests, and it's, it's mostly a conversation instead of a monologue like I'm doing now. But I think YouTube really does love the show because it is civil, for the most part. Um, we're not particularly offensive or anything. We just have opinions people don't like. That's fine. But it's as close as they've gotten to a consistent nightly show. 
So not only do we generate tons of money in Super Chats, we're the 15th most Super Chatted show in the world uh, for a live program. We're number one. And that's kind of crazy to me. I never thought I'd be here. But for YouTube, they're looking at it like, we, 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 you know, we have a primetime news conversation show, and that's good. And they like that we're, you know, we try to be civil with, with what we do. That's really the big issue is civility. If you are civil on YouTube, they typically leave you alone, but there has been some BS. Obama is pointing to, to Section 230, and he's saying it's protecting these companies from liability. And, you know, in a in democracy, we can rightly expect companies to subject the design of their products and services to some level of scrutiny. At minimum, they should have to share that information with researchers and regulators who are charged with keeping the rest of us safe. Here's my point. YouTube has already done exactly what Obama is saying. They want civility. They want things calmed down. And what has it begotten? Hardcore censorship, the banning of, of high profile personalities. Obama is talking about, let's, let's say this, Alex Jones insulting Oliver Darcy. That's what he's talking about. The problem is, as much as I don't like it, Alex Jones should be allowed to do it. And these companies are like, we don't, well, that's not why YouTube banned Jones, but that's why Twitter, I believe it's why Twitter did. They're like, we don't want you going out and yelling at people and being this kind of nasty person. I can understand that. Watching people be evil, nasty, raucous, or whatever. I'm not saying that of Alex Jones. I'm saying he was being nasty. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. You're like, this is encouraging more of this behavior. You get video after video and post after post where people are just screaming at each other. How do you stop for that? It's not your position to take. These people at Twitter, they're like, we need healthy conversations. Yeah, I agree. But at what cost? How about, you know what they can do? With Crowder. Crowder makes jokes and he's uh, condescending or disrespectful. And they, they, take, they, they ban him from the partner program. That was a, that big thing that happened when he was critical of uh, that guy from Vox. But not of the left that does the same thing. You see, therein lies the problem. They only view the right or people who oppose their agenda, they're not actually fixing the problem Obama's pointing to. And if they engage more, it will just get worse. I want to show you what's going on with Twitter. Elon Musk has created three holding companies in his attempt to buy Twitter. I don't know if they're related. They say the companies are called X Holdings 1, 2, and 3. I love it. And two filings to the SEC state that all the companies have been established to acquire or merge with Twitter directly or indirectly. Oh, okay, well, well, there you go. The filings all refer to the plan as Project X. Elon. I tw- I was, during the show the other day, someone was like, Tim, have Elon Musk on the show. And so I was like, I'm going to tweet at him right now. Hey, Elon, come on the show. It would be like super rad. I would absolutely love to talk with Elon Musk. He probably wouldn't be able to do anything like this for, uh, because of what's going on with these, these uh, stories. Maybe after he's done. But he's been on Joe Rogan. He's been on uh, Babylon B's show. I'm a big fan, Elon, of what you are doing here. I'm curious about Project X. I would I would absolutely love to sit down with you and just talk about all of this stuff. And, you know, Ian on the show, he's a big fan in freeing the code and uh, talking about these licensing and free speech and all that stuff. I think it would be an amazing conversation. 
So Elon Musk is making these moves. But let's talk about the nefarious elements at play. Let's talk about this story. These are the Twitter board members fighting Elon Musk's takeover bid. So here we go. With Elon Musk angling to buy Twitter, the social media platform, board members are punching back. Who are these people? They own very small stakes in Twitter, yet they make up the board. Hmm. Fending off Musk's $43 billion offer by creating more shares could dilute the value of shareholder stock. But Twitter's 10 board members own just a tiny portion, Musk noted in April 16th tweet. The the Twitter board collectively owns almost no shares. Objectively, their economic interests are simply not aligned with shareholders. Fascinating. That same day, even Jack Dorsey, who is formally leaving the board when his term expires at the company's annual shareholder meeting next month, tweeted the board of directors has consistently been the dysfunction of the company. I'll tell you what. Let's I how do we make this happen? Elon and Jack at the same time. Jack, you and I round two. I'd be really fascinated to hear you say whatever it is you can say and uh, talk about so much more than just Twitter with uh, uh, Elon and Jack. I would I would that would be absolutely incredible. Um, Look, there's many bigger shows for either of these juggernauts to appear on to have the richest man on my show and the former CEO of Twitter and billionaire on my show would be just absolutely insane. But I'm going to put it out there and say, let's make that happen. I would love to have that conversation. So who are these board members fighting Musk's hostile bid? Twitter, which has become come under fire for censorship. We get it. We get it. They go to mention a lot of these, these individuals, Brett Taylor, chairman of the board, Parag Agrawal, the CEO, 540,000 followers. The point is, the people who are controlling the company are not aligned with the shareholders, but I don't trust the shareholders are either. Let me throw it to our good friend, Kevin O'Leary. I, when I say good friend, I don't really mean that. It's such a joke. Shark Tank star Kevin O'Leary calls for Elon Musk to buy abysmal Twitter and clean house, says censorship caused the social media platform to fall to the bottom of Dante's hell. Whoa, Kevin, my man, bold. He's right. Check it out. Shark Tank star Kevin O'Leary vehemently trashed Twitter and its leadership for the company's lackluster performance and slammed the social media platform as dwelling at a lower level of Dante's hell. Despite the merciless tongue lashing, O'Leary proclaimed he would join Elon Musk in purchasing Twitter because of the Tesla CEO's remarkable track record. You nailed it. Yes, yes. O'Leary skewered Twitter during an appearance on CNBC's Squawk Box, where he declared the social media network has totally lagged all the other competitors and is the most miserable investment you could have put your dollars into in social media. Never grew anywhere near as fast as Google or Facebook or Instagram or even TikTok. Look how old TikTok is and how big it's gotten. Twitter just ain't it. How is it that Twitter could dominate the most important aspect of civilization and be unable to grow and monetize properly? It is because the people in charge are psychopath zealots who are more interested in promoting what is right today and healthy conversations instead of free speech in the public space. Twitter dominates one of the most important elements of the human experience. But because these psychotic zealots are in charge and they're like, we want to get rid of Alex Jones because he said naughty words. You rip the core out. You rip the heart out of what truly makes life interesting. Alex Jones confronting Oliver Darcy and saying nasty things to him. I'm not a fan of that kind of behavior, but this is life. These things happen. 
Now, I don't like the WWEification, no offense, the WWE of politics, but Twitter failed. Now, I don't know what the answers are, but I would defer to free speech over abject failure. If you want the company to succeed, there are ways to do it. What what was happening now with Twitter is they're more interested in politics than making their company work. Why? I think for these people, they've gotten to a point where they have so much money, they're like, but what are we really fighting for? Yeah, look, we here at TimCast.com, we are greatly successful. We have lots of money. Nowhere near as much as these people. And these questions are, you know, what is the mission? Certainly, I could go buy a Ferrari. I don't want a Ferrari. In the vlog today, we released, uh, um, we built a new quarter pipe, a vert wall. And some people say, you know, Tim's building just a skate mansion, wasting money. Yo, none of this, none of the spends we do are about just doing stupid things for the sake of spending money. Building out the skate stuff is because we want to have fun, family-friendly, culture-building content. You have to do the cool, fun things. Now, I'm not going to buy a Ferrari. True, uh, uh, to be honest, I bought a Challenger, however, and this was kind of an investment for a, for a rad car. And my view of things is when we do this stuff on the vlog, when we buy these things, the goal is to, how do we rival things like Casey Neistat? Casey, you know, I look at his vlogs. He doesn't really do them anymore. And I'm like, this dude owned it. And then he told people to vote for Hillary Clinton. And that was a mistake. And I'm like, I don't want to have that messaging be overt, but we want people in our sphere of influence to wake up to reality, to be personally responsible for themselves and their families, still believe in community and believe in liberty. And that means we have to be as entertaining as, as we can be. I don't drive the Challenger. Okay. I have it. Because it's cool and it's fun. And we want people to see that and be like, dude, that's so cool. The meteorite sword. Oh, that's so cool. I want to do that. I want to be there. I want to be like that. We have to inspire people. Now, look, I, I, don't, I don't buy stuff just to be like, there's things that I like. I buy things that I like, you know, Magic the Gathering cards, video games. But really, everything we do is all about the mission. The Cast Castle vlog, we filmed this stuff because we wanted to make something that was fun and would inspire young people. And they would be pulled into our sphere of influence. We do Chicken City because chickens are hilarious. And I build this thing so that we can make a show and it's working. We're making money off of it. We're going to be hiring more people. We have two nonprofits we're working on. It's about the mission. These rich people at Twitter, you know what? They feel the same way. And this is why I have focused so hard on everything we're doing. I'm not going to pretend that I'm not well off and not enjoying myself. Of course I am. But I enjoy myself. My Ferrari is the Timcast newsroom. My Ferrari is making cultural content to inspire people to join us and not them. When Twitter got big enough and they started making money and barely, they said, okay, now that we're breaking even, let's go full hardcore politics. I don't like that. I want people to watch skate videos and be like, skateboarding is fun or rollerblading is fun and whatever. But I also want them to recognize how you get to that point through personal responsibility and liberty. What we hear now is lies and manipulation. So maybe this is the root of it. You know what? I want people to watch Casey Neistat style vlogs. We want to make it, which means we need to make videos like the $10,000 plane ticket and spend money investing in shows that people would enjoy. What I don't want to do is lie and manipulate people to get them to join our sphere of influence. Never going to happen. There are some people who said it was dumb that we bought a, we're, we're working on a commercial for Tucker Carlson. 
uh, about Chicken City. And I'm like, no, dude, listen, we're going to have T Tucker gets the biggest share of millennials out of primetime cable. We want these people to see the fun of freedom. Freedom is fun. What the left is doing is not fun. So we're going to take fun. We are going when they retreat from fun and funny. We take that hill. When when Hollywood began retreating from entertainment, the Daily Wire stormed in and they're taking that hill. And you know what? I want fun. And that means all the crazy vlogs and all the crazy shenanigans, we're going to do that. And we're going to show you what it means for freedom to reign true. You will have fun. No one will stress you out. You can live your life. Who wants to be a part of these leftist shows like Ethan Klein? He loses his sponsors. That's the world you chose to live in, bro. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you lost your sponsors. We're going to do the opposite of that. Kevin, Kevin O'Leary is right about the financing. But the reality is they don't care about the money. They care about the mission. I understand. But their mission is evil. So you know what? With our success, we're going to record music. We're going we're gonna to have the best stuff. Uh, admittedly, not going to buy a Lambo or a Ferrari or anything. But I did get a Challenger. And I'm super excited for it. But we want people to be inspired and dream big. You know, our good friend, Richie McGinnis, rad dude. And I literally mean good friend. Richie's awesome. He was so excited when he saw the challenger. And I'm like, I want people to see that and be like, yes, yes. We, how, do we, how do we do what you do? And my response is freedom and hard work, personal responsibility. I am not. So we got to do. I drive a Honda Accord. That's what I, I'm so excited for this car. And it's just like, it's, an, it's a Honda. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if people are going to see the Accord and be like, how do I be like you? How do I replicate this? I think they'll see the Challenger and they're going to be like, dude, I want to be that. I want to do that. And I want to be like, yes, personal responsibility, hard work and freedom. How do we get that? How do we get that? So it's, it's all part of building culture. We want to we want to engage in the way that others do pop culture crisis, our show where we critique and comment on pop culture. We want to make culture tales from the inverted world, mystery, paranormal, true crime season two coming out soon and a book. We want to make cast castle. We want to make family friendly content. Chicken City. I am laying it out so that we're putting pins in each of these areas and then we're going to storm forward. Chicken City is extremely profitable at this point. So I'm super excited that we are, we, are getting, uh, we are getting to this point. There's a lot of news coming out. And so, so stick around. Thank you so much for being a part of this mission. I really do um, appreciate and respect everything. Look, I'm a capitalist to the point. And that means if I work three years all day, every day, and I did, and I only started taking days off at the end of uh, the beginning of 2021, is when I finally stopped working weekends. I was doing the Tim Pool Daily Show seven days a week and Tim Castarell five days a week. And then I just got to the point where I was like, we need to build culture. I'm going to take these weekends to do fun, silly stuff and expand in other directions. Plus, I got to be honest, I needed time to go to the bank and things like that to help the business grow. But I'll be the first to say what I love about our sphere of influence is that when, uh, when a person gets rich on the right through hard work, the right celebrates that. When a person on the left gets rich, they question, why did Hassan buy a mansion? 
And they were all yelling at him. And it's funny. The right criticized him because they were like, dude, you're a socialist buying a $5 million house. And he's like, Republicans think I shouldn't have a house. And it's like, no, Republicans think you should just have a modest house if you're going to purport to be a socialist. In fact, most Republicans will celebrate you buying a mansion. I think most people on the right were like, congratulations on all your success. Isn't it a bit hypocritical? And many on the left called it out. I don't want to live in that world where I have to pretend that like, it's just stupid. Nah, I got a nice car. And thanks for your support. Thanks for supporting the work we do and rewarding us for doing good work. But I, but trust me when I say, I want more people to believe in freedom. And that's the mission. What's happening with Twitter is the example of what the left is doing in the other direction. Let's call it out. No to Obama. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Many of you may have seen this story. A strange trend of food processing plant fires appears across the U.S. from TimCast.com. At least 16 fires have broken out at food processing plants, impacting the nation's supply of beef and poultry. Not to mention this avian flu where they're culling millions of chickens, supply chain constraints, remnants of the COVID lockdowns, the war in Ukraine, fertilizer costs skyrocketing and exports diminished because of it. We are expecting insane food shortages. But let's bring it back to this story, because I did mention this the other day. We've talked about it here and there, and we don't know exactly what this means. A grand conspiracy? Mm, Probably not. A series of unfortunate events. Well, yes, literally, and it will have an impact. But take a look at this. When things happen, man, they seem to just happen, don't they? Daily Mail reports, no survivors on small twin-engine plane that crashed. Crashed where? Near Georgia General Mills plant. Cops say all that's left at the scene is charred metal. Did it cause any damage? They say there was no immediate reports of any injuries to anyone on the ground at the plant that produces General Mills cereal. Now, perhaps this is nothing. It, uh, everybody seems to be fine, except for the people who, who, who uh, 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 well, I'm sorry. No one at the plant was harmed. The, unfortunately, those on the plane lost their lives. Covington police told local reporters the plane crashed in an isolated parking lot near an industrial plant just off Interstate 20, a major east-west artery in Georgia. So perhaps it's all coincidence And there's nothing here, except for this story from April 15th. Plane crashes into Idaho potato and food processing plant, killing the pilot, cops say. Okay, I want to come to this, this this part of the story. But now I'm really, really interested in digging into what's going on with the strange wave of damage and fires at food processing plants. I'm going to go there. Let's go dark. Cyber war? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's easy to throw those things out there and rile people up and say the end is nigh. And, I, and we really don't know. And right now, there's no evidence. Occam's razor, would su- Occam's razor would suggest that in the absence of evidence, the solution that makes the least amount of assumptions tends to be correct. In this case, sometimes fires happen. And I wonder if this story, this is why we, we, I wasn't so big on it, but I asked the crew, like, see what you can find. For all we know, fires like this happen all the time. And the issue is we often just don't pay attention. But now, because of the food shortages, we're really paying attention. So let's put it this way. Regardless of why we are seeing this wave of damage at our food processing plants, y'all better take this seriously. Bazinga reports, food shortages in America. Should we worry about the recent string of food processing plant disasters? Why? Why is all that happening right now? 
Now, I'm not familiar with Bazinga. I can only say they're NewsGuard certified, 95 out of 100. So I can accept that. If mainstream establishment press is saying, yo, these disasters are going to hit us where it hurts, I'm actually starting to get more worried about things. Now, uh, my friends, in the past several uh, months, I've been going really hard on emergency food supplies. Think what you will about what's causing these things. There is a question that because of the war with Russia and uh, Ukraine, the West is supplying weapons to Ukraine. Russia views this as the West declaring war, effectively calling it total war, or at least their media does in Russia. And a Russian host said this is World War III because Russia's at war with NATO infrastructure. Is it not at least plausible that Russian cyber attacks or Russian aligned cyber attacks are hitting critical U.S. infrastructure where it hurts? If we don't have food, well, we're in trouble. Soldiers march on their bellies. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to speculate. I can only say we know there's going to be a food crisis. We're already in one with food prices. And now with plants being hit and this avian flu, you better be paying attention, my friends. Head over to safeandreadymeals.com. Pick up emergency food if you have not done this already. I often shout them out, but I tend to only shout them out when there's a real story that makes me think it's a good thing to have. I recently purchased a large quantity for the studio in the office. Uh, a lot of people are like, Tim, don't tell anybody you have emergency supplies. Oh, come on. Yes, I know. We don't have that much, but I did buy a lot. Relative to the amount of people who have work here, I don't think we're going to survive, you know, an outright apocalypse. But safeandreadymeals.com, these are three-month or four-week emergency food supplies. They're buckets. You just put it in your closet. You can forget about it. They say up to a 25-year shelf life. The three-month supply is 120 pounds of food. Amazing. Sealed into six rugged water-resistant buckets. Not to mention the packets themselves are all sealed. You put it in a pot. You mix some water with it. You heat it up. You got food. I don't know if you're going to need any of this stuff. I really, really don't know. I don't think you should dig a trench and build a bunker and supply yourself with 30 years worth of beans. But yo, when we keep hearing these stories and it escalates... At the very least, I encourage you, research it and make a decision. Maybe it's not right for you. The last thing I want is for people to go out and buy wacky things they don't need. But with this stuff, the four-week supply, sometimes it rains. Sometimes roads get shut down and you can just eat it. If in 10 years, you know, I'll put it this way. If you bought this stuff for you know 247 bucks for the four-week supply and you put it in your closet for 10 years, I guarantee you in 10 years, it'll be a $500 package. You can still eat it. So it's kind of like it's always going to be food, right? If you're concerned about this stuff, safeandreadymeals.com sponsors the show. You know, we, we have sponsors that I shout out regularly. <clears throat> safeandreadymeals.com is not one we regularly do. But in the past couple of months, I've been promoting them a lot because I genuinely am concerned. But again, I don't want to do shock, high pressure tactics or anything like that. I just think it does help the show when you buy from them because they're a sponsored. It's a sponsored uh, spot. And I think you should take this into consideration. Over COVID, we had shortages and we didn't starve. And honestly, in the United States, we've got morbidly obese homeless people. So I think we'll be OK. But just assess the situation. I'll, here's my advice. Download a survival guide. If you have not already, it'll take you two seconds. And sometimes you get lost. You know, I'm not saying the world's going to end, but sometimes you go for a hike, you get lost. Have that might save you. I don't know how you should try to survive. I I'm just telling you, prepare for it. Maybe you decide you don't want to buy it. Maybe you do. I just think you guys should be paying attention to what's going on in the world.
and maybe we'll be just fine. TimCast.com reports, there's been an outbreak of fires in food processing plants across the nation in the last six months as food prices soar and supply chains are stressed to their limits. The fires began showing up regularly in the news after a fire closed a Tyson Foods meat processing plant in Kansas. The location was a primary beef processing location for the company and the U.S. supply chain, providing about 6% of U.S. beef. After the fire, analysts began speculating the impact could drive up market prices for meat nationwide. So look, TimCast.com goes on to list all of these stories, and there's a meme going around showing, I believe it's 16 to 18 or so. So when we get news that a plane crashed in the parking lot of a food plant but didn't hit it, I'm like, why did that happen? Now, again, it didn't hit anything, but we have this story from AviationPros.com. A plane crashed into an Idaho potato and food processing plant, killing the pilot. The pilot was the only person in the plane and died during the crash. The single engine plane crashed into the building and flipped on the roof, according to East Idaho News. The plane left Salt Lake City, yada, yada. The city of Hayburn sends its condolences to the family of the pilot. Seriously, sad to hear it. Gem State Processing sources 18,000 acres of Idaho potatoes. So we'll see if this is longstanding damage. But a plane crashed into a food processing plant at this time does not seem like, I don't know, it just seems weird, doesn't it? Here's Bazinga. They say, higher food prices and shortages. Our system has been betting on higher food prices since earlier this year. And of course, the war in Ukraine has put upward pressure on food and energy. But now one of our Twitter correspondents warns we may have food shortages in America as well. Let's start with the case of higher prices. A month before Russia's invasion of Ukraine, our system's top names had shifted to an energy and food focus. In that post, we noted we had two oil ENP stocks, Laredo Petroleum and Antero Resources, two oil ETFs uh, and a coffee ETN and a corn ETF in our top 10 names. Since then, the energy and corn names have ripped higher, though coffee has cooled off a bit. I got to be honest. I love coffee. I think the first thing I'm going to do after this is I'm going to order a lot of it because I would I would not like to not have coffee. Um, you know, coffee's not all that great for you. It's not all that bad, but caffeine, you got to control the caffeine. So I like to I, I dilute my coffee quite a bit and I put a lot of cream in it because I don't want too much caffeine. But man, a good cold brew. Oh, man, it's like drinking chocolate. It's just so good. We got this nitro nitro cold brew stuff. Yeah, when the apocalypse happens, I'm totally going to miss nitro cold brew. That's for sure. They say, of course, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has played a role here. In addition to being one of the world's top exporters of wheat, Russia is also one of the top exporters of agricultural inputs, such as oil, natural gas, and fertilizer. The war, plus the sanctions regime, uh, the sanctions regime in response to it, have raised food and energy prices and raised the prospect of food shortages in countries such as Egypt, which are dependent on wheat imports. America, as an agricultural superpower, seemed less likely to suffer food shortages. Hey, there you go. Good news, right? But our correspondent Ben Braddock brought up another risk factor, a string of disasters at food production plants and warehouses, mainly in the U.S. How is this happening? No, 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 no. Right now? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I can understand that sometimes people win the lottery. Okay. But for these major disasters to hit when we're already dealing with all of these other crises just seems suspect. Should we be worried about this? One respondent says we shouldn't. Warehouse fires are nothing new. They happen every year. You just have been not paying attention. Fair point. The actual scale of the loss is minuscule compared to the size of the actual food supply. In the U.S., there were approximately 1,240 warehouse fires per year between 2009 and 2013. All right, well, let's slow down. You're talking about four or a little bit more than four years. So we're looking at what? Just over just around 300 fires per year. So about a fire per day almost. With annual property damage of around 155 million, this represents a reduction in the number of fires over a 30-year observation period from 4,700 to around 1,200. Probably better building construction um, and probably cell phones. Seriously, when a disaster happens, a cell phone allows you to get the emergency services there right away and stop fires from happening and, and death. Another commenter draws a comparison to the panic about black churches burning down a few years ago. Remember the black churches are burning down all over the South media panic in the 90s? Turns out people didn't understand that there are a, there, that there is a vast number of churches in this country and a lot of them catch fire. That's the point I've been trying to make. And that's why I'm like, don't freak out and then, you know, buy a billion barrels of whatever. I just think stay focused and pay attention and be a reasonable calculate, be strategic, be tactful. Uh, so this is interesting to say, Twitter user Remnant offers suggestions in case we do have food shortages. If you haven't already, go to the store and at the very least buy a big bag of rice and some dry beans. Canned anything is good too. Go as calorie dense as possible. Uh, my recommendation, safeandreadymeals.com. They have full 2000 calorie a day emergency food supplies. Another thing that I've done is I ordered these buckets that are free, that are freeze dried sealed or whatever. I think it's like rice and beans. And they, they, it's not, it's not a 30 year supply, but the buckets last for 30 years. So you've got maybe a couple weeks, but you put the bucket in the basement and you forget about it. But you know, I shout out safe and ready meals because like an all in one package. Ideally you portion the stuff out and vacuum seal it. The stuff I'm talking about is already sealed. Plan for 2000 calorie per person per day. You won't actually want to eat that much as you can survive on less to stretch the food, but it gives you headroom. The more you can get, the better. Minding budget and storage space limitations. Shoot for at least a couple weeks worth. Also, make sure you have some way to purify water if you have to. If you can afford it, get some bottled water to hold on to as a last resort. Get iodine tablets and ideally a gravity-fed filter as well. The filter and tablets are great because they require no energy. So I don't know how iodine tablets work. You just, I think you put it in the water and it basically disinfects it. We have, we're, we're, we're partially off the grid. We have our own water source. We're next to a major water source. We're, we're close enough, but we're on a, we're on a mountain. So um, guarded position, but we do have water nearby. I think we're going to be okay. And we have our own water source, but you need to be able to filter it. So my recommendation is, well, I shouldn't recommend, I don't, I don't want, I'll recommend safe and ready meals, but I don't want to tell you that's the end all be all. We have glass bottle water. We have a filter and we have empty glass bottles. So we can, you know, periodically fill up the, the water and keep it clean and safe and stored. We have power reserves. We have solar emergency backups. I'm not saying to be a prepper and the world's going to end. But let me just point out, Bazinga is 
95 out of 100, a U.S.-focused financial news site aimed at investors that provides information about market securities and other investments. NewsGuard has them at 95 out of 100. This is mainstream. When the investors are being told, somebody knows something. These plants, it may just be a media blip someone's hyping up. But now Tucker Carlson's talking about it. We're talking about it. But I, I will just say, you know, when I see these stories and it's like mainstream investor news, make sure you're doing all of these things. I'm kind of like, I'm definitely going to be doing them. As for the 2000 calories a day, one thing I can say is what I've been told is you never want to eat your emergency food. You want to store it until you have no choice. So you'll be wanting to forage and hunt, I suppose. But seriously, that'll be on you to figure out how to do that properly, because I don't know what you can or can't eat outside. I was walking through the woods on uh, we have a wo- most of Free Domestan is woods. And, you know, someone I'm with picked up chives and they're like, forest onion, started eating it. And I'm like, I'm not going to eat that until I can figure it out. Because it's possible, apparently there are some plants that look like chives that are not edible. So uh, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on what is food and what isn't. You know, I go to the grocery store and they're like chives and I'm like, all right, but I'm learning. We're learning how to plant. We have berry season out here in the, in the, in the um, Blue Ridge Mountains. Yo, Everybody who lives out here knows just how amazing it is in berry season because you walk 10 feet and you got like two pounds of these wild Chinese raspberries. So amazing. And we've made we've made like breads with it. We've made we put it in our ice cream. Oh, man, that was good. We also have pawpaw season out here where at the end of September into October, you have so much pawpaw you could not possibly eat it. It's amazing. It is a meaty fruit. It's like a mango and an avocado and a banana all combined, big seeds, and they are juicy. It's crazy. It's like mango. It really is. It's, it's like a pudding texture. We had so much pawpaw, nobody could eat it. We ate some and we were like, man, it's good. It really is. But it's just everywhere. You're walking through the woods and it hits you on the head. Figure things out, man, because we have these stories. Washington Post says four hidden reasons food prices are, are crazy right now. And this is one of the other issues. If you buy emergency food now, I assure you the price on it will go up because of inflation very, very quickly. So that's kind of my attitude. I bought a bunch more. I bought a bunch more. It was expensive. But my attitude is kind of like, dude, in two years, it's going to be way more expensive to buy this stuff and it lasts for forever. So, okay, whatever. I'll buy the food now. Hidden reasons. The invasion of Ukraine, we know. The avian flu. Look at this chicken right here. That's got me worried because we got Chicken City. And Chicken City is bringing in the big bucks. Ladies and gentlemen, last night, Chicken City generated $2,314 in a single day because Chicken City is what people crave. I'm somewhat kidding, but it is kind of true. It's just a show where chickens do chicken stuff. But every day we get a, a like near, I think we get like 10 eggs. So I've started eating more eggs because it's just there. Now we do buy feed for the chickens. We do buy treats for them. But when you have chickens, what, you, what, what I'm told is you take a plank of wood, a couple planks of wood with like some rope on it, and you just put it on the ground. The next day you come out and you move the plank somewhere else. The bugs underneath it will all get eaten up by the chickens. And the next day you just, you move the plank, the bugs run out, and you keep doing that because the bugs want to hide. That's how you get the, you source the food, the trick the bugs and bait them into being eaten by the chickens. Chickens then lay eggs, you get some broilers, you eat the chickens, all that good stuff. But right now, the worst avian flu outbreak in the U.S. since 2015 is causing a major spike in the price of chicken. Pay attention. California's in a drought. Yikes, man. You kidding? Border truck jams. So we've got a border crisis affecting prices. California in a drought affecting prices. Avian flu. The war. 
Supply chain disruption. Yikes, man. World Bank warns that higher fertilizer and energy costs pose threat to harvest after global food prices soar, soar by more than a third. I don't want to live in a city right now. And one of the biggest hurdles, you know, we, we, we've had some, um, you know, business deals and stuff. And I'm just like, dude, I, I can't I can't do the city. I, I just legit cannot don't want to be there. You know, when the news is saying and screaming in your face, food shortages are coming. And we see these videos of people fighting over a can of beans in China. You've been warned, man. In Shanghai right now, there's videos of people going to supermarkets and the shelves are completely bare, literally nothing. And two guys start fighting over something. What do you do? Serious question. Will you wait until that day where it's you fighting over the last can of beans with Agnes in the parking lot of a Walmart as riots break out? Will that really happen? I don't think so. I don't think we'll get to that point. But you know where I don't want to be? During the pandemic, there were like five mile uh, long lines of people getting food. I don't want to wait in that line. And so my attitude right now is if the apocalypse happens, I got food, probably not enough, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll make it. If shortages hit, I don't have to go wait in line at these supermarkets and, and cross my fingers and hope I'm going to be getting the food I need because we've got some backups. But we will do what we can to source from the stores. Now, even at the worst part of the, of the pandemic and the lockdowns for us, I was still able to go to the store and grab food. But it really was crazy. Mac and cheese was gone. That was the weirdest thing to me. We were like, the, the beans were all there. And I'm like, the beans are the best thing. Why weren't people buying rice and beans? Mac and cheese took it all. All right. Well, I guess people like mac and cheese. It, it's legit delicious. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more worried about protein. Protein, I think, is, the, is what you want to worry about. Your body can break proteins down into sugar through a process called, I believe it's called gluco, uh, gluconeogenesis. Is that what it is? Where it, it turns proteins into sugars if it needs to. But you're not going to make proteins from sugars. So you don't want your muscles breaking down and you can't just eat rabbit. That's called rabbit starvation. In, in the end, here's what I think. Here's what I think. To be the most reasonable, I think prices will go up and there will be lines. And if you prepare now, you can avoid the lines and you can get it cheaper. But I don't know. I can't see the future. I just kind of feel like when I see this kind of stuff happening and then I see these plane crashes, I'm like, mm, I don't like this. I don't know how, how it worked out for you guys. Um, I think the first thing we saw with the pandemic lockdown stuff was there were shortages, but prices went up. So you're still able to eat. Admittedly, we do really well here at TimCast, and it's thanks to all of you who watch and the members. So food prices have hit us. It's not as hard as it is for the average person. I'm sure for all of you, it's been a kick in the teeth. I've noticed when I go to the grocery store, we get the same amount of groceries, and it's like double the prices to where it was a couple of years ago. And I'm like, wow, man. You know, we can afford to make sure we've got food stocked up for the crew, for our employees, for us. But it is getting crazy. It is getting absolutely crazy. I can't believe how much the emergency food prices have gone up. So anyway, look, a periodic story about weird food stuff going on. It may be that just nothing happens in the end. The people in the cities turn out to be fine. You do you. You do you. I, I, I don't like the idea. Like, you know, I, I don't like the videos where they're like, the food shortages are coming, everybody. I, you got to go do it now. And I'm just like, eh, read some stuff. Check out these stories. Talk to your loved ones. See what they think about it. Because not everybody can afford to pick up one of these supplies. It's 200. Uh, let, let, me, let me check real quick. $247 for a four-week emergency food supply. Um, 2,000 calories a day. 16 varieties. 
So you got breakfast, lunch, and dinner, 38 pounds, and it's 747 for a three-month supply. Now imagine you've got three people, all right? So you're talking about 750 bucks for, for a month for three people. Not everybody can afford that. But do the math, check the, the prices. Maybe even outside of safeandreadymeals.com, if you can figure out a way to just be ready and have rice and beans on hand and stuff like that, I think it's a good bet. What I, what I ultimately think about the safe and ready meal stuff is just you buy it once, you put it in your closet, you forget about it, and you've got a basic layer of security there. Um, store some water as well in some jugs. Be careful because they need to be sealed. It can get, they can go bad, bacteria and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I really don't want, I don't like the idea of pressure, but I really hope you guys consider this. And look at my Instagram. You can scroll down. I bought a bunch of this stuff too. I genuinely mean it. So this has been your periodic, ah, the food crisis, eek, uh, segment. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. And I will see you all then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.